And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute and I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello, welcome to our Lads and Powers. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Hello, Mark. Hi, Scott. How's your you week doing? been? Yeah, I don't know. I, it's weird. Like you, you said that we talked before we got in the air, and like, oh, we haven't done a podcast since last week. But it feels like I, I know that you've been doing a lot more podcasts than I have. But it, it feels it, like the conversation never ends. You know, like it just—it's been a constant week of. Yeah, I think the last time we spoke was was maybe the day the Jenner and Block report came out, or the we, day well, after. Well, we spoke between then. Well, you and I have spoken a lot. Yes, <laughs> I've spoken to you more than I've spoken to my wife the last nine days, but. Um, <laughs> That's not that unusual, frankly, with this job. But um, but yeah, it, it's been, I mean, since we last spoke, I mean, so much has gone down. You know, the Joel Quenville stuff, the Kevin Shevel day off stuff. Um, I've, I feel like I've talked on every podcast in North America about it. Uh, I listen to every single one of them, too. Yeah, I really hope you didn't because I repeated myself <laughs> a lot. <laughs> There's only so many different things you could say. Uh, we've also written, obviously, just tens of thousands of words on the topic over yeah. the last nine days. And, you know, uh, I, I think one of the things – you know, we certainly don't mean to minimize anything, but I think people understand where where we're at with this and, and where the story itself is. I think what we were curious about and something we want to talk about is is what's next? Like what is, you know, we're already getting people, let's face it, in the comments section saying, you know, I'm bored of this story, which, you know, to me is just, you're bored, nine days in, you're bored to the biggest story that's ever happened in franchise history. Really, you're bored. I'm sorry you're bored. Yeah. Uh, but we're obviously going to be writing about this in the days, weeks, months, probably years to come in some in some ways. But, you know, 
the dust has settled to a degree. You know, all the, 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 the immediate consequences have happened. The people have lost jobs. The Stanley Cup has been X'd out over Brad Aldrich's name. Um, it's now, you know, what do we look to next? Is, is, is the lawsuits, is that the next thing that's you, that, that you think is going to come to some kind of finalize here? Yeah, I, going back to the X-Style part, and I know you wrote about this last night, but it, it, it does – I get the significance of it, but it, it doesn't feel as as large as you know. Like it, it th- there's so many other names on the cup that, I, that there are people have issues with too, and you know, like it's and it brings. It, I know a lot of people are questioning. You know, I saw Rick West had you know tweet about how all these other names are on the cup, and yeah, I don't know. Like it, it, it doesn't. I guess weigh as much with me as maybe some people. Like it's, um, like it doesn't change anything that happened. You know, like it, right. I mean, for me, I, I, I'm not. I, I hate slippery slope arguments. I find them to be usually really disingenuous and just like yeah. a, uh, um, a, a rhetorical trick almost. But, but really, I mean, okay, let's say you block out McDonough and McIsaac and Bowman and Quenville. Do you do it also in 2013? Do you do it also in 2015? Do you blot Joel Quenville out of the '96 Avalanche for which he was an assistant coach? But is that one okay because it was before 2010? Like, I don't know what you do. You can't just pretend these people didn't exist. And I'm not, I'm not in favor of pretending they exist. I want their names on there because I want, I want this to forever be presented in its own context. You know, I talk about this, I don't remember where I talked about this, but it's like, to me, it's, it's almost like the Confederate statue argument. You know, they're tearing down Confederate statues left and right. And people are like, Oh, that's our history. It's like, well, no, these are awful people that did awful things. But we shouldn't be melting down those statues. They should be in museums and they should be presented in their context. And look, you know, half the country revered these people that were traitors to the United States of America mm-hmm. that, you know, that did horrible things to their fellow human beings. Yeah. Like to me, that's the way that you, you, you have to preserve this somehow. The 2010 yeah. Blackhawks need to be preserved so that people learn about it. I wrote about that in my column today. It's like, you know, 30 years from now, they're still going to be on the Stanley Cup. And some kid's going to be at the Hockey Hall of Fame with his dad or his mom and say, why, why is this name X'd out? And then they're going to learn something. And that's how you prevent things from happening again. You, you, you're not doomed to repeat history if you learn from it, if you remember it. And just forgetting they existed, blotting them out of existence, um, that's almost too good of a, 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 a consequence for them. They deserve to be remembered for what they did. And we'll get into lawsuits in a second, but I do think part of the future conversation is, and something the Blackhawks are already encountering, is, is how to remember, uh, remember this team, remember all three of these cups, remember the players who were on multiple cups, and, and, and we saw how they handled Marion Hose's um, uh, legacy night, and, and they, you know, they jointly decided to postpone it, but like, when when's the right time to do that again, or what, like, you certainly have Seabrook's night and Jarmelson's night this season, and um, I mean, they're, they're lucky in a way that the 10-year anniversary has just passed, you know? Like, you, you don't have to worry about the probably the 20 or the 25 until for a while. But even, like, the 2013 and 15 Cups, like, you um, you can't have Joel Quinville back. You can't have Stan Bowman back. Like, you um, – and and the fact that even now, like, there are a lot of players – I've talked to some players about, you know, the ones that swear that they haven't known. And I, and I asked them, why don't you go talk to Nick Boyden or – or Brent Sopel, like, shouldn't you guys all have a discussion about this? Like, I, um, because if, if, that, if in some way that is the truth, like, it, it's them that have, even, even, I mean, it, you know, Beach thought he thought that people knew, but like, if, if I'm one of those players and you truthfully didn't know or feel you didn't know, like, I'd want to have discussions with Sopel and Boyden and, and talk it out because it, it does change the legacy. Because right now, there, there are a lot of people who believe that everyone knew in that room, and it does change how, um, 
even Tulsa, like I know a lot of people were, were, were happy with Tulsa's set in a statement, but then there are definitely a lot of people who be like, well, he was there too, you know, like right. it doesn't change that. So I, I think there are a lot of things that, you know, I, I guess, yeah, the, I, how the Blackhawks do a lot. Like they have players like Brent, Brian Campbell's around certainly more, mm-hmm. um, and they have people hired, you know, from that team. They have, yeah, the way they're going to remember Seabrook and Jarmelson and, and Hosa, um, you know, you can postpone it, but when when you do when you do welcome them and 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 regardless, like those people are going to have to answer questions at some point too. I think I think there are a lot of complicated issues the Blackhawks are going to encounter um, in, in figuring out how to remember that Cup team or, or remember players from all those teams. Yeah, and you know that kind of brings to mind, you know, Jonathan Taves's comments last week, where and, and Patrick Kane to a lesser degree, he kind of had one thing, but Taves was like, you know, you know, the, you know. Like, I know these men. These are good men. And talking about Stan and Al and, you know, like, like it, it was obviously tone deaf and the wrong thing to say at the wrong time. And his, his body language was, was defiant. It, it was a bad look. And, and he's kind of getting excoriated in it by, you know, for it, by the hockey world. Um, he, he, he made much better statement the other night or yesterday morning after the morning skate. We're recording this on Thursday um, where he kind of, you know, put the attention on Kyle Beach where it belongs. But I do think. And, you know, people are going to probably misinterpret what I'm saying here. There is a time where it's going to be interesting to have these players put their feelings about Bowman and McIsaac and McDonough and Quenville in context. You know, whether that's a month from now, six months from now, five years from now, at some point that's going to become part of the story. Like, look, these were men that you believed in, that you trusted, that, you know, I mean, you know, Patrick Kane was like a son to Stan Bowman. He lived with him for a year. He babysat his kids. But at the same time, Stan Bowman did this awful thing. He was part of this awful thing. And I'm going to be curious how, once the players have time to sit and reflect on that, if they will think differently about these guys. Like, you know, how, how did, did you, did you have to go through a process to forgive them? Did your relationship change in the aftermath once they weren't with the team anymore? This is all going to be interesting because we are human and humans forgive and they move on. And, you know, this will always be a part of the story. But at some point, I think with some... It'll, it'll always be a Paul, a shadow cast over this team. But at some point, the Blackhawks are going to celebrate the 2010 Stanley Cup champions again. Maybe in second 2040, when it's like a whole different generation. I don't know. But we, we've seen time and again that, you know, time softens things. And you don't want this to be softened. It doesn't deserve to be softened. But I have a feeling. I don't think that Stan Bowman's ever going to work in the NHL again. I don't, I don't think Joel Quenville's ever going to coach in the NHL again. Um, I, I honestly believe that. But... You know, we've seen there's always a redemption tour down the road, right? There's always someone, there's always going to be someone trying to get back out there. And Joel Quenville will do a sit down with TSN or Stan Bowman will, or, you know, maybe it'll be with us even. I don't know how it's going to work. But at some point, you know, when this is less raw and you want it to stay raw, but we just know that that's not how society works. When this becomes less raw for the general public, we're going to start addressing those things and we're going to start talking about those things. And then it'll be appropriate for Jonathan Taves to talk about his relationship with Stan and Al and how he looks at it now in hindsight. That's when it'll be a, the, the, a day after this all went down. No, that was not the time to do it, but there but will be a I time. I, I don't sense that these people are, are upset at these, you know, like they're not upset with, with, with McIsaac or Bowman. That's like the problem. Yeah. That's I, the problem. I, I, I don't get the sense that what they say then is going to be any different than what we hear now. It, it's more of that they, that they were told or, or they or, or they realized themselves one of the two that, that what they said wasn't appropriate at the time but i don't know if it, their opinions like i think there are, there are people who are angry with bowman and mcdonough and mcisaac but I, I don't know if you know like if those were their comments right afterward like and i, and I do feel that they feel for kyle beach but 
there isn't an association with Kyle Beach as much as there is with, with Bowman and McIsaac. I mean, the reality is that Beach was was a prospect for much of his time with the Blackhawks. He was he was rarely around. Like he wasn't, um, you know, like he, he wasn't here for training camp. He was here as a black ace. Like they didn't have a lot of personal relationships with with yeah. Kyle Beach. You know, so I I think that that plays into it too. That they can read the reports and they can see the interview and and, and have real emotions and have thoughts about it. But their, their personal associations with, with Kyle Beach aren't the same as what they had with Bowman and, and right. McIsaac. Like there's, um, I think they, not that they don't support beach, but they, they just, yeah, they, you can't, like you can't see your, the person that you, you know, or you respect, or you like doing these awful things. And, um, and that's the reality here. So it's, it's either they come to terms with that or, or they just, you know, like, it's, well, I, I think, I think over time that they, they will, like, I, I like to think that as they get older, I mean, you know, they're, they're grown men, they're in their early thirties. Don't get me wrong. But when you live in that hockey pro lifestyle, you're not like an average everyday adult human functioning person. So I think after their careers are over, perhaps when they're, you know, you know, start looking back on their career and reflecting on things. I, I, I'd like to think that they would look at things differently and cast a more critical light or, you know, why did I have such blind faith in these people and, and, and how could they allow this to happen? But, but you're right. The fact that Kyle Beach, I mean, he wasn't one of the guys, right? I mean, he wasn't one of the 20 guys, 23 guys in that room that were, were going to war every night and stuff like that. I think that does probably temper it for some of these guys, which is unfortunate, but that's, you know, the fact is they did, like you said, they did not have close personal relationships with Kyle Beach. He was a prospect and it takes time for you to, to kind of become one of the guys there. So maybe that does color it. I, again, well, I think the other thing is that it is that Aldridge is they didn't like Aldridge was, was, was there for what one season too. Like it wasn't like if Aldridge had been someone that, that they knew closely or, or, you know, like it, it felt like more of a betrayal. Like I think yeah. that's like what McDonough and Bowman and McIsaac all did. It's, like there's Aldridge, the number one, you know, villain in all of this, and what what everyone else did is, um, not as bad, but it's bad, you know. Like they they right. they they could have changed Kyle Beach's situation. They could have changed, and I, I think the biggest part for me still is that, and and I don't think everyone ever wants to go down this path is, but it, if the Blackhawks said something or did something, Aldridge doesn't sexually assault or you know other people like the, and right. ultimately ultimately that minor and i think that's the that's the part that's a difficult for a lot of people to process and and probably tough to you know like these are the people they like but if if these people had done the right thing um this high school kid doesn't get sexually assaulted or it's a lot less likely you know like it's just and, um, and I, I and i honestly wonder if the the current players and some of those 2010 guys that are still in the nhl if they've really thought about that much yet yeah. i don't think they really have i think they watched the kyle beach interview and it probably landed with them like oh wow this is this is hard to watch and i feel for this guy but i don't think they've thought about what it meant long term and and the damage that was done to people's lives by the Blackhawks in action here, or, or actually their action of taking an action. They took an action of not doing anything. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's really landed with them yet. And, you know, you want it to, it should, but these are guys who, you know, they're very myopic. They look at what they're doing. And like Jonathan Taze, callously put it, it's like, we were just thinking about hockey. Well, right now he's still just thinking about hockey. Yeah. And, 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 and again, yeah, you're probably right. The fact that Aldrich and Beach, neither of those were kind of quote unquote core guys who were with them through all the years, they probably like, oh, I remember that guy. Yeah, he was like a, yeah, yeah, I remember that guy. Like, it's not like a, it, it doesn't land as hard for them, and even though it obviously should. Um, so I, I, I think, I hope that with time, they'll start understanding the long-term ramifications of what happened, what went down, and why Bowman and McDonough and McIsaac and Quenville, all these guys uh, needed to lose their jobs, deserved to lose their jobs, and probably shouldn't work in hockey again. It'll take them time to learn that. 
but I'd like to think that eventually they will. And then we'll get more thoughtful comments out of them when they start putting their relationships with these guys in perspective. That's my hope, at least. Yeah. That's the best you can hope for is that everybody takes from this, learns from it, grows from it, and, you know, reflects properly on it because, you know, the raw emotions of this, you know, you and I have been writing with raw emotion. Like, we're angry about this. Like, we're upset that this happened, even though, we, you know, we weren't covering it and we're not personally affiliated with it. Just you hear this in any walk of life and it, it just enrages you. But eventually, you know, you need to start looking at it, you know, take take some time and reflect on it and reevaluate the things that you did as a player that might have, you know, made the situation better or worse. And for me, there are a lot of, un- like, we. I just want to, it's the truth. Like I want to get down to what what happened and what who knew what and why things happened and 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 that was part of the reason behind the Rocky Words column is that I feel like there's so many unanswered questions and and part of it may be that you know and we can get into the lawsuit stuff now too. But um, the Blackhawks, Danny Words said that they're going to try to settle with with Kyle Beach um, and, and the John Doe too, and and that's part of the process. And and, may, and maybe once that's resolved, and 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 there's a there's still a possibility the cases get dismissed, and um and maybe the cases get dismissed, but it, it would be odd now if the Blackhawks don't still settle with with Kyle Beach after after saying that. Um, but but I I would think at some point when litigation is over that you would think Rocky Words and Danny Words and and whomever else wants to talk will talk because it, it's yeah I don't know like there's either Rocky Words knew or or he didn't know and if he didn't know then what was going on with this organization or something that that your president knew about that they get they get to the HR level and 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 you know what I wrote in the column was that you know how how many sexual assault claims did you have that you didn't aware of it at HR level you know like right. it just some of it doesn't add up to me and and, and maybe Rocky Words isn't like I'm not skeptic but I, I'm, I'm cynical enough to, to you know like I think we've you know seen enough organizations where where things get swept under and um and, and it's possible you know like I, I thought the quote that that you provided me for the, the story and that, that you interviewed John McDonough about about just you know him telling Rocky what he has to know and 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 if something was at a crisis level that he would tell him and so um, was this big or small I, I don't I don't know like it, it seemed like it you know within the Hawks yeah. it, it varied you, you, but you yeah. you could all you could also easily see McDonough saying you know what we gotta we gotta you know. Uh, incubate, you know, protect Rocky from this story and make sure he has plausible deniability and not tell him for that reason. I mean, it's so easy to believe both. Like, I could so easily believe that Rocky Words knew nothing about this. And I yeah. could so easily believe that Rocky Words knew about this. That's why he needs to talk. He needs to explain how he didn't know about this. Yeah. Like, how is it possible? Like, like I, okay, you didn't know about this. General Block agrees. You didn't know about it. How? You are running this entire organization. You're the big boss. How do you not know this is happening within your organization? And he might have a very good explanation for it. We need to hear it, though. He needs yeah. to talk to us about that. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Talk some hockey? Yeah, hockey. That's happening too. That's not going well either. It's far less important, but that's not going well either. Yeah. It's, uh, it, they, they win the Ottawa game and, you know, it was, it's, it's odd because I, that first period could have gone the wrong way. And I, I think Mark Andre Fleury in the St. Louis and Ottawa game were, was terrific and, yeah. and really, um, yeah, really, really kept them with both those games and give them a chance to win in Ottawa. They, they get, they, they get, it pays off where Kane comes back. And it's just, again, these last two games even show you how much Kane just means to that team. Like Kane and Debrinket are, um, you know, just playing at another level and, and, Without those guys, like it's just there aren't many scores right now, especially kind of Kublik struggling a little bit. But um, and then last night happens where you, they have a chance to win and 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 drop three to one, and it, they can't pull it off. Like it just it's it was it, and it, it it shows just how important Mark Andre Fleury is because he was not good yeah. last night. He had that that the fourth goal was an awful goal, an unscreened wrist shot through the legs. You can't let that happen. And uh, the, I think it was the second goal wasn't a very good one either. The 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 the, the Seth Jarvis breakaway wasn't even a shot. He just yeah. he, he whiffed and the puck went under. And we've seen guys do that in a shootout as like a move, but this was just a he just didn't yeah, shoot yeah. it in the puck. So it, it show, you know like when, it's hard to they, blame Fleury on that because Gustafson it's just a weird play. Yeah. Like it, it was it was a weird play, but Gustafson just played that so the poorly pinch in too. the first place. Yeah, yeah. But but it just shows. I mean, when they traded for Mark Andre Fleury, we're like wow, well he's going to be able to mask a lot of defensive dif- deficiencies, just like Mark, uh, uh, just like Corey Crawford and. Robin Leonard were able to do, but when he's not doing that, they look like the Blackhawks that we know all too well. And so, you know, so much is dependent on him and he's been great for those two games, but not the other ones. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I was looking at some of the numbers for a story and just how, uh, out of his seven starts, two of them are considered the quality starts, like a based on percentage and all those things. And, and last year he, he was close to like 75%, you know, and, hmm. um, yeah, just how the numbers have varied and how, you know, yeah, it, it's, and something that I, I know you you have a column going up on Dylan Strom in a little bit. It'll be up by the time this is out. But um, how some of it's been, it's been some odd lineup decisions too, where I, I know Colleton wants to be physical and defensive. And um, and you put in players like Reese Johnson and, and Entwistle and Hardman and Carpenter and Cara. And, and it just, and when they get down, like there's very, like they're limited scoring chance, you know, like they're, they're who they can score. There are a number of players on that ice that can't, you know, like you just can't bank on scoring or they don't give you a chance to score often. So Ryan Carpenter played five minutes of power play time last night. Yeah. Ryan Carpenter. I like Ryan Carpenter. He's a useful guy. What it's a one goal game in the third period. And he's in, he's the trigger man on your power play. This is a problem. Yeah. And this is what happens when you put five or six fourth liners in one lineup. You can't do that. They have offensive guys. Even if you don't like them, even if they don't play defense well enough, you got to put Alex Nylander in there for God's sake, something, something. Yeah. I, I, I they have it's 13, a, five on five goals in 11 games. Yeah. You're telling me offense isn't a problem. I was looking at the five, the five on the five. Like there's, there's a chance they never get anywhere near five. You know, like even if they went on some run, like they, there's their goals for percentage is slow so low right now like it's yeah i, I think Carlton's convinced that they 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 need to win games two to one and um I, I just i don't know if they're good enough to do that you know like uh, jones has been fine not certainly not number like hasn't been the defense when they mccabe's really struggled yeah um, I, th- I think jones jones has been you know is he a norris level defenseman this season so far no 
but he's been a good number one defenseman. He's been good more games than he's been bad. And when he and he's producing points, he's got like eight or nine assists in, in, in 11. He's been fine. Like Seth Jones ain't the problem here. And he's only making like five and a half million this year. Next year, you can start complaining about him. But like Seth Jones is not the issue here. I mean, it's just he's not driving a lot of like on the power play. He's been really good. And uh, it just slap it's five on five tours. Just it's not. Uh, he well, has, as a team, they're just—they don't have anyone really driving yeah. offense. They, he has three have, assists on five on five, no goals, and yeah, I mean it's fine. It's just it's—they don't have many options there, you know. Like it's—I uh, mean, who's who's leading them in five on five goals? Or Hagel's got three, DeBrinket's got three, Kane's got two, and then five people have one, and, and that's it. I mean, Taves doesn't have a goal this year. Like Taves actually—I yeah. was looking at his Corsi percentage, like fifty-seven percent. They're driving possession, but yeah, he's that, playing well. Yeah, the line's not scoring and. Um, you know, Kubalik doesn't have a five on five goal. And then you, you have a like you have all those bottom six guys on there, and then you have a lot of past first guys like Kurashev and uh and, and Strom, who obviously hasn't been playing much, but you just you don't have many scoring options and um yeah, it, it like it's not adding up to how we thought it was gonna add up to the beginning of the season, especially if, if you know, like you're not as deep if you know, some of it's been the COVID protocol, so guys like Borgstrom, you know, haven't been in the lineup. But, uh, you know, if you're not playing Goddard and you're not playing Strom, those are two guys who are like, oh, that, that makes you even deeper. And uh, it, it, we weren't thinking that about Reese Johnson or, or no. Antwis. So, like, they're maybe, yeah, maybe they're a fourth liner, and that's it's fine. Like, if, the, if you're interchangeable with your fourth liners and, and you have a couple of young guys you can put in the lineup, then, yeah, great. That's good for your future. But when you start putting too many in, like it limits your offensive potential and, uh, and, and you're still getting up goals, you know, like that one, nothing game in St. Louis. Um, like it's a game they wanted to play, but I didn't feel like, I, I still feel like flurry had to make a lot of quality saves yeah. to keep it like that. So it's not necessarily like, and it wasn't like Jordan Bennington was like standing on his head at the other end either. I mean, they yeah. weren't generating a lot. He, winning, like trying to win these games two to one, like playing John Tortorella hockey, this team's not built for that. They yeah. don't have the personnel for that. They have – you've got guys that can score. You have offensive-minded guys. And I know that that hasn't worked well in the past, but the, the, uh, this is Colleton's fourth season. The best stretches he's had is when he's let them go, right? Yeah. It's when he's loosened it up and said, you know what? Go score a bunch of goals and win in a track meet. And I know that you know we've been sitting here harping on the team defense for four years, so I'm being totally hypocritical here as usual. But the fact is this team is better suited to win 5-4 than it is to win 2-1. to one. You are not – you do not have the personnel – to play lockdown Barry Trotz, John Tortorella style hockey here, you just don't. Well, I think it's also the point where I think I think fans would be more likely to be forgiving if if you went out there and you put Nylander, like not that they love Nylander, but just but, try but, something, but, right? But if, you, if you put Strom and Goddard and Nylander, you called Reichel up, and all of a sudden you went really offensive and tried to to win that way, and then you just you maybe you allow your defensemen just you know like they they don't have to be aggressive. You make sure they're not pinching, and and because there are some like. Like high danger shots and stuff have gotten better. Um, like there's some areas that have shown improvement. Like you, you have better guys, and and maybe it loosens up the offense too. Like I, I was talking to someone today about McCabe, and they're like, you know, I watch him play, and and he, it doesn't look like he's affected from the knee surgery. Like his feet and everything looks right. He's, just, he's like, he's like, I think the kid's just overthinking it, where he just, yeah, you know, like he he used to. You know, he used to have such poise and confidence. You, you trust him to make the right decision. And, and it's gotten in his head about just he had a poor start and then everything gets snowballed. And um, and, and he felt like that with Jones a little bit too. Maybe he was just trying too hard. So, like, I don't – yeah, at this point, like, it's trying to win 2-1 games. Like, it almost puts more pressure on you. Um, 
because I don't, yeah, I don't, I, this team just doesn't seem like you can lock it down. You know, like we saw it against Toronto, we saw it again last night where um, with the lead, like they need to be pressing for more goals than rather than sitting back just because they just don't have that, that ability to lock it down. So um, it, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, it, I don't know where they go from here, but it, it, like it, it, something has to change because in, well, um, the thing the thing that's 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 frustrating is like we don't know what Kyle Davidson thinks of all this, yeah, right? Sure. Kyle Davidson's been the GM of the Blackhawks for a week and a half, and he has not spoken to anybody about it. We don't know, you know, we we know just from our reporting that he didn't see eye to eye with Stan Bowman on everything. Well, what what are the things that he differed with? Like, does he want to see more young players? Does he want to see more offense players? Does he really want this defensive style? Is he the one pushing for Mackenzie Entwistle to stay in the lineup and Reese Johnson to stay in the lineup? Like, what is Kyle Davidson and Vid, right? You know, whether he's the long-term GM or not, he's the GM right now. And the Blackhawks are one, eight and two. And we don't know what the plan is now. Yeah. We don't know what he wants to see. And it, it would behoove the Blackhawks to, you know, have the kid, the kid, he's 31, <laughs> have him have a press conference and just kind of, you know, get an idea of what he's looking for from the Blackhawks. Like, what does he want to do? What does he want Jeremy Colleton to do? Is this Colleton's doing, or is this coming from above? Like, I don't know what the plan is right now, but, Mackenzie Went- Entwistle has played in 10 of 11 games. Adam Gaudet's played in six. Dylan Strom's played in four. It doesn't add up. It just doesn't make sense what they're doing because what they're doing isn't working. If you're one, eight, and two, try something else. It's funny because the person I talked to today was like, you know, usually in Strom's situation, like the GM would go to the coach and like, we need to put him in situations that he can succeed in. Like we, we got to make him like he's he's not tradable right now. He's He's got $3 million cap. He's got a qualifying offer at 3.6. Um, we, we can't get anything for him at this point, you know? And, and you know, you're playing him on the fourth line, and, and, he, and he obviously can't play that really. He, you, you know, he's just he's he's going to fail in that role, and maybe that proves that he doesn't want to – he's not the player that you think he can be. But for any for any chance of us trading him, we need to put him in a top six role or put him in situations where he right. can potentially get better. And, and either, you know, he's – and the, this, the guy said, he you know, he's like – usually at that point, like, the player starts playing better, and then the coach is like, "Oh, maybe we should just keep him," you know. But <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, it's it's right now that Strom, like, it's becoming a distraction a bit. Um, yeah, boy, Carlton was pissed today. Like, <laughs> like I, he was he was he was obviously upset about last night's game last night. Like he was he was angry, and he was you know you know not his usual self, which which is good. That's what you want to see, right? Because they they should have won that game. They had a three to one lead, and they blew it. Um, but he was. Still angry this morning, and it was hard to tell if it was the, the line of questioning. If he was, you know, I, my, my lead to my column was like, Jeremy Colton looks like a man who read the comments. And as someone who's been reading the comments for nine days now, I know what that feels like. And it's not a fun feeling. But he he just, he seems angry that Strom keeps coming up. Uh, he he's, he's convinced that what he's doing is the right thing. That, you know, he said, we need four lines that are willing to check. Like, yes, okay, Dylan Strom, not not a defensive player at all. Yeah. He is. He gets lost in his own end a lot. He doesn't hustle. He's not that fast. Uh, I get all that. And Dylan Strom's not going to magically fix this team by any stretch. We're talking about like a mid six, uh, middle six player here. This isn't like the missing link here. But you know, Eric Gustafson's out there every night. If you can play Eric Gustafson every night, you could play Dylan Strom. Oh, well, Eric Gustafson's not playing, playing defense Johnson first. for four minutes. Then right. Then- like it's not that much reliability. Yeah, and, I don't. is Reese Johnson? He's willing to check. Can he check? Yeah, no. It doesn't look like he Reece can. Johnson so may far. be an NHL player someday. It's not just not now. Yeah, he's not. A, he just got demoted today, so he's not. But I mean, he's just not there yet. And he got a longer leash than Dylan Strom and Adam Gaudet did. I, 
it's 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 obvious that Colin doesn't like Strom's game, you know, like oh clearly, yeah. But 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 there has to like for him to be just sitting now, like it becomes it becomes something. So the Blackhawks need to figure out a way to either move him. I, I doubt they wave him and, and send him to Rockford. Like that doesn't do any anyone right. any good other than maybe maybe that's a position where you can see a skill again. He's playing in Rockford, but um. I don't know what, where this end game is, you know, like, I don't think this can continue to go on because the questions aren't going to end because Strom's production, like you have an offensive player who's sitting, it's a team that's struggling to produce and you may not like his, his all around game, but if you're still, if the record was different, then it'd be like, yeah, you're, you're right. But Oh, it, sure. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's hard to justify it with, because I thought Godet was really good this, this off season too. And not that Godet's been killing it, but he just, I don't see how much more of a liability he is or, or that, you know, like when you look at the least advanced metrics, you know, uh, that we see, it's just that it, it's not really adding up with, I, I think, I think the two worst players, I know you pointed out Reese Johnson expecting goals, but the, I think the second worst player was Ed Whistle. Whistle. Yeah. By yeah, a long so, shot. Yeah. So it, it's not like these guys are, you know, like they're not doing exactly. They're what not you effective. And, and yeah. here, here's Dylan Strom has been on the ice for 47 minutes at five on five. The Blackhawks have not been scored on in those 47 minutes. Yeah. Like, is what what has he done to fail you? That's the thing. Yeah. It feel it almost feels personal at this point. Yeah. It'll and I I think I mean something's gonna play out one way or the other in the coming weeks. It, oh, just, it can't continue like this. Yeah, because you're gonna you're gonna wind up with the trade demand or something. Like that hasn't happened yet. Like, well, even what if I it's under- a trade demand though, like I don't like I, I you can't trade him for nothing. Trading him for a third round draft pick would be just idiotic. Well, here's idiotic. the problem: is that I, three million dollars isn't like like there aren't a lot of teams like the source I said. It's like he's like you know the teams that probably would want him or the team one is the team that he just came from, which is probably <laughs> is going to retake him, and, and then and then potentially Buffalo. So um, yeah, I, I mean three million like it's he's a, he's probably considered a rental at this point and, and probably a bit of a project because at three point six of the qualifying offer, like it's it's no one jumping in on Dylan Strom's stock right now. You know, like he's going to have to prove either within Chicago or somewhere else that he can produce at that level again because him not playing in last season has certainly cast some doubt on what what he can do, even though that there is some evidence that he can produce at NHL levels. But he's got to prove it again now at this point. So I don't know if it's here or there or in the AHL or what, but it's, it's, uh, yeah, something's going to have to play out one way or the other here in the coming weeks, I would think. So let's let let's talk about the uh, attendance issues the Blackhawks are having. I mean, they're still getting sixteen and a half thousand people. That's a lot of people to come to a hockey game. I, th- I think the season tickets are always going to buffer it, right? Like, there's always right. like I, I think there's there's going to be a decent number for a while. And I, I yeah, I, I don't think you're going to have five thousand people like it was in twenty oh five or yeah. anything like that anytime soon. But you know, how, how much of that is the Blackhawks losing, and how much of it do you think is the Kyle Beach stuff. I mean, is it a combination? Is, on how much of it is COVID? I mean, they sold out the first couple of games. Like, I would not take my kids. Who you know they're finally getting vaccinated this weekend, yeah. but I would not take my kids to a Blackhawks game because nobody there is wearing a goddamn mask. <laughs> no, no, nobody, no. like one tenth of the people there are wearing. You know masks. what's odd is that they, like there's segments now in the the, the jumbo chime like oh the, thank you for wearing your mask and the next segments like let's take pictures with celebrities that you're not wearing the mask. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, but I, I I think some of it's sad. I I I think there's. I think, I mean, I've heard enough from enough season ticket holders that were affected by Beach that there's some that, but I, I still think it's largely, it's, it's Don I's product, you know, like if they're, if they're winning this, not that they're selling out potentially, but I, I think people are a lot more excited about this team, you know, like there's, there's enough people who, um, and as we, as we see in the comments that 
that don't care, you know, or there's their, their, their priority. Everything is, is on ice product and want us to be writing about hockey and that's what they care about. And they're more angry. Um, yeah, more angry about their failures on the ice over anything else. So I, I, I don't know if it's selling out or if they're, you know, like tickets are still really pricey and it's, you know, like, um, but, but even from talking to season ticket holders before this year about, uh, you know, where this, you know, like everyone was angry about Stan Bowman still being the GM and the way this team was going, that there was, there was enough anger that even be, you know, even maybe, you know, prior to COVID that it was kind of trending this direction. And um, yeah, it, with this t- sort of start, like there was some excitement in the beginning of the season, you know, like if the Blackhawks came out and, and won a few of those road games and, um, you know, like they built up some, yeah, built them some more anticipation for these home games. I, I think the crowds would have been different, but I, I, I think their their poor start and then and then coupled with everything else it has to factor yeah. into it. But I, I, I do think it's Man, not nice I'll more tell than you, anything. I'll, the the enthusiasm certainly is lower. Uh it's just like I could I could hear Jim Cornelison loud and clear during the game last night. That was not a big anthem cheer and it was I mean the first period was dull. That didn't help. But even when they were up three to one, that place was it was pretty dead in there. Yeah, um, the, it's, the, it's, Ottawa, it's the Ottawa game was different. Where I, I, I don't. I, people just seemed like they were so excited. Like, oh, I guess it was Kane's hat. They were scoring and, goals. Yeah, and, like they were, they were, they were fun that game. So it, it felt like it was. Yeah, fans got behind them, and they, you know, they were cheering at the end of the game when they won, and how knew how big that was. But yeah, it's hard to sustain this, and um, I, I guess I and mean, something the Blackhawks need to come, get the terms come to terms with is that when you look at the future, like you need a future product that you're going to be able to sell and. And Kane's still lit, obviously. You know, Kane still has that yeah. game. Um, they need Kirby. I mean, Kirby Doc's been fine, but you you need some of these other guys. And I think the Brinkett's it for a long time. But um, I think that's the, that has to be the biggest fear about not having the pick potentially next season. Or, or, or you know, like, like Lucas Reichel might be pretty good. But when you look at the, the system right now, like, you're going to need some players to replace other players. And it's to do it through free agency is really expensive and costly, you know, or, or through acquisitions, as we saw with Seth Jones. But so you need to either they're going to have to hit bottom at some point again in the future, or or they need to figure out a different way to kind of restock it. When you look at, um, you know, I, I think before we used to talk about Cannon Taves retiring as Blackhawks and, um, and I, 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 I don't know the fact that we have done so many podcasts and even that we talk so much <laughs> offline, I can't remember what we talked about in the podcast and, and elsewhere, but um, yeah, I don't know if Kane and Taze retires Blackhawks anymore. And I don't know what, you know, whether those guys are interested, but the Blackhawks need to replace them at some point. Like Kirby doc needs to become something or they need these other players to become because um, yeah, that excitement level isn't exactly there with some of these other players. Yeah. It's interesting because like, you know, there was a lot of excitement about this year in the offseason because they made all these big splashy additions. But last year's team was a lot more fun and a team you could get behind because they were all young guys. Like, yeah. it, it was all promise, right? There was, not, there was nothing to be jaded about. It was basically all potential. And this year, by going out and getting a bunch of veterans, you can just go, oh, God, Seth Jones for nine years. Oh, God, Jake McCabe's a, a total bust. Oh, God, Tyler Johnson, total bust. Even though it's only been a few weeks, whereas last year – Everybody got the benefit of the doubt, and everything that was positive was kind of like unexpected and fun, and they contended for for much of the year. Uh, and of course, they you know we said well, it's a good year to rebuild because you can't sell tickets, and that team would have been probably more appealing to the ticket buyers than this one is, which is kind of ironic. Yeah, I, I guess you see like you see Carolina like that they're young, and then they bring up someone like Jarvis. It's like you, you yeah. need. Um, and the Blackhawks have some of that. I mean, Hagel and and, and stuff, and, and and Doc is just yeah. You need like. I know that Doc's been like a—he's he's been someone who's talked about the last few days because 
Um, just because there are expectations, and and I think the fact that Taves doesn't have a goal that you know Doc's got to be leaned on to produce more, and and it's it's gonna come down to whether Doc's a superstar or a star in this league. Like he's gonna need to put up points, and um, you know he has a couple of goals, but it, it's and, and some of the analytics have been pretty good. I was looking through some of the Sport Logic stuff today too, where he, like he leads the he leads the team with inner slot shots and slot shots, so like he's producing, but it's. Um, well, not producing, but he's generating, but maybe not just the finishes in there. And I know you wrote about him, uh, you know, his finish ability, but those things need to come around, you know, like Borgstrom, um, they have all these young pieces that they need to, uh, need to become something for this team to, uh, to even get better this year, because it, it, it's right now, it feels like either Kane or Brinka need to score. And then, uh, you know, like you're writing that, I mean, the last two games, yeah, it's been basically just Kane and Brinka scoring. And that's, that's the only thing that's kept you in games. Yeah, no, I mean, they got to, <laughs> you got to give people something to hang on to right now. And right now there's not much on or off the ice. So, uh, you know, hopefully things turn around and, you know, people will be, you know, less angry at us. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll keep, we'll keep, I, I mean, there's, there's going to be we're, more. We're, we're, we're going to write what we're going to write, regardless of whether people are angry at us. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we do, we do see, we do see all the comments and the Twitter replies. Um, it's 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 a very uh, heated time right now in the Blackhawks community, and I it should be. Yeah, this is this has been one of the darkest weeks in franchise history, and they suck on the ice. I mean, it's a bad combination, but um, you know, we'll 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 at some point we'll write fun stories again. I, I you watch like any I uh, any good shows or movies lately? Or read any good books? Uh no, I've been writing about the Blackhawks game. <laughs> 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 I've actually, been watching. I, I actually finished Dune. I, I read Dune over the last two is weeks. Is it good? Uh, it is the weirdest goddamn thing I've ever read. I think I liked it, but I'm, it's so weird I'm not sure. And then yesterday I watched the uh, the Kyle McLaughlin, uh, David Lynch version of Dune that came out in 1984. And it was one of the most hilariously bad movies I've ever seen. So now I'm excited to go see the new one uh, and see if uh, – because I've always read that Dune is unfilmable. And now that I've read it, I understand why. So I'm curious to see how they tried to make it. <laughs> uh, Maeve stepped into the room here, probably at the more appropriate point in the uh, the podcast. <laughs> um, I, I've been watching Bulls more. Like I, I, I honestly haven't yeah. watched a whole lot of Bulls basketball, and they're they're actually fun and exciting this year. So. I'm waiting that Nick that Knicks Bulls uh, conference final will be like the, the NLCS in 2015 when it was Cubs Mets. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's hard. I like I like the Knicks too because I do like Derrick Rose and I. Uh, there, there will always be, uh, yeah, just, I guess, having watched Derek Rose in high school and stuff, so. Hi, Maeve. Hi. <laughs> uh, so we'll end on that note. So, uh, for Mark Lazarus, I am Scott Powers, and this is Lazarus and Powers. We'll talk to you soon. And I know that I can fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try? Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.